0: The number's one 888 990 help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, and welcome once again to the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Got a couple, well, we got lots of stuff to get through, some emails, and a bunch of uh, questions as well. Contact is very simple. Before we get started, I'll give you a heads up. You can check this out as we uh, do the show today, and we'll get into it a little later on. The Injury Calculator, find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be InjuryCalculator.ca. Week that was, what's been happening, Savannah.
1: Uh, well, John, okay, I'll kick it off. There's mm-hmm. uh, a few things, actually, that I want to speak about. Number one is an email that came to us uh, from someone. So I'm gonna, just going to read the email because it's, just, it's really interesting and indicative of, I think, the dilemma that many people find themselves in. And, and, you know, what happens when someone contacts us on behalf of someone else that they know who is in trouble. Right. So this is the email. A friend of mine has been off work for two years and cut off his LTD group benefits through Manulife after the first year. We appealed the decision, and they are standing by it. My financial advisor has heard you on media outlets and recommended that we call you. Is it possible to set up a call or a meeting to discuss if there are options for my friend? He has no income, and he has had to to, to sell his house. He's currently living in his niece's house in a 10 by 10 room. It's a very sad situation that has been made harder for him, as nine years ago his wife was murdered through domestic oh. violence. This has left him with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, Uh, anxiety and depression, all of which have increased when Manulife uh, first denied his claim. When I started the appeal process for him, he started to, quote-unquote, perk up a bit. I see the stress from living with family and the recent denial increasing his depression. Any suggestions you have would be greatly appreciated. So here you have a situation where someone takes charge and contacts us on behalf of their friend who is Mm -hmm. clearly in a very difficult situation. Again, if you are out there and you're listening, and maybe this is not applicable to you, but you know someone who has been denied or cut off long-term disability, have them call us or you call us or email us on their behalf. In this case, I mean, how could anyone challenge the fact that after what he's gone through with his wife, that he has post-traumatic stress disorder? Of course, we're going to want to see documentation from a psychologist or a therapist or his family doctor, etc., but... You know, I just, I can't imagine how this person is is coping given what he's been through. Uh, so, so, you know, th- this is, this is, this is something that, you know, again, I want to make sure people understand you have options when you appeal, right? When you appeal a denial, you are keeping the decision-making process in the insurance company's hands. Don't do it. If you do it, you do it uh, to your own peril. I mean, at the end of the day, do appeals work. Rarely they do, mm-hmm. I can't tell you all of them don't, but I can tell you that in the vast majority of cases that we have seen at our office and we've talked to other lawyers as well, uh they do this kind of work. These appeals don't work, they frustrate individuals, and you know at the end of the day, people end up just giving up and and you know it's just it's unfair. their rights are being trampled upon. we can fix that. All you have to do is just give us a call or email us, have a discussion and we'll take it from there we'll give you your legal options trust me you have legal options 1889909646 the number
0: uh, Savant speaks about and help at the lawyer.ca. what do you got going on james i got an email from a gentleman named manny lanyard so manny wrote to me he said i recently slipped on some
2: ice um, in my gym's parking lot and broke my left wrist luckily i haven't missed any time from work because i'm a supervisor However, I'm a competitive bodybuilder and haven't been able to work out since the accident two months ago. My doctor is saying I might need surgery. Do I have a case? So Manny, certainly there's a case there. My only hesitation here would be about liability. Typically in situations like this, it's not that difficult to prove, but I would obviously need to dig a little deeper to find out. Assuming that there's no issue on liability, if you break your wrist in a slip and fall, there's going to be a claim there. Um, And even though you haven't lost any income, and you might not, hopefully you won't, um, your claim for pain and suffering is going to be greater than you might otherwise expect, because obviously, you know, bodybuilding is a big part of your life. And if you're not able to return to it, that's going to increase the compensation
1: you'd be entitled to. All right, John, I have uh, a question that I want to read out uh, to our listeners that came through uh, one of our free websites, mydisabilityquestions.com. And again, if you're out there, you have a question about long-term disability, you've been cut off, or something's happening that doesn't make any sense with your claim or a claim of someone you know, you want to ask that question, go to mydisabilityquestions.com, post your your, your question, and I will answer that within a few minutes. So here's the question. This comes from uh, Brandon and Curtis. Does long-term disability qualify for mental health? Uh, Presumably he means mental health issues brought on by the workplace, i.e. severe panic disorder and depression. I have been on short-term and modified hours, but I'm being told that I don't qualify for long-term disability. We get a lot of these kinds of questions um, uh, sent to us and and people contacting us who, unfortunately, due to a toxic work environment, have developed certain conditions that disable them, psychological conditions, anxiety, uh, uh, depression... Uh, just a whole uh, variety of conditions that simply make them unable to work. And you know those are verified by their family doctors. Sometimes they end up seeing psychologists, therapists, psychiatrists even for medications. And so the question then becomes, do I qualify for long-term disability? The majority of long-term disability policies out there contain provisions mm-hmm. that exclude disabilities arising from the workplace. In other words, if the issue is that you simply can't work at your workplace rather than that you can't do your job, i.e. in a different workplace, well then you don't qualify, right? It's not the insurance company's problem that your employer is being very difficult with you or your coworkers. But here's the distinguishing uh, uh, aspect of, of many of these claims. In many instances, that toxic work environment has done sufficient damage such that the individual who's not suffering from that psychological issue or illness or disability cannot actually function in their own job, even if you were to take them, plunk them out, and put them in another right. environment. In those circumstances, the disability goes beyond just the toxic work environment because now the person is actually suffering from what I would consider a disability that prevents them from working in their own job, no matter which work environment they're put in. Uh, you know, So a person who works in Factory X cannot work in factory X anymore because of the toxic work environment, but because of what's happened to that person, put him in factory Y, he still can't do his job or her job. So in those instances, that person, in my opinion, should qualify for LTD, but in many cases, the adjuster that's looking at the claim when it's submitted says, no, 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 this arose from a work environment situation, so therefore it's excluded we're going to deny your claim. We can fight that. The important thing is that immediately when you get that denial or when you have an inkling that there is a problem, you give me a call, you email me, let's have a chat, I want to understand more about your circumstances and I'll tell you what your legal options are. But you know, don't simply assume that if the insurance company denies your claim because of a certain reason, that that reason is valid or that that reason applies in your specific case. It could very well be that they're confusing two issues here, the insurance company, and that you do have rights that we can enforce. One triple eight nine nine
0: zero ninety six forty six. Help
1: at the insurance lawyer
0: dot ca. Again, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. dot com. You have questions? Emails. We'll get to them after a short break. The insurance and injury law show. Global News Radio. Six forty Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. Get a hold of Savan, the firm, anytime you need help at the insurance lawyer uh, so when you guys take a case, does a client pay anything up front? Because you know that that's probably in the top 10 questions you guys get every day.
1: That That's definitely in the top 10 questions. And, and you know, here's what people need to understand. First of all, when you pick up the phone or you email us, when we have that discussion uh, initially, that's always free. No matter what kind of case you are bringing to us, we're going to have a chat with you about your legal options. Now, do you pay anything up front if you retain us? Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the answer is, I will say, in 99.9% of the time, you are paying nothing until we resolve your claim. There are exceptions. What are the exceptions? They're not exceptions dealing with long-term disability. They're not exceptions dealing with car accidents. You've been injured in a car accident. You slipped and fell on ice. You injured yourself. You were cut off. Long-term disability were denied you're not going to ch- uh, uh, get charged a dime okay until the case is concluded when the case is concluded and we have money to give you that's when we get paid you're not paying anything up front okay it's only when you get paid that we end up getting paid at the end when the right. insurance company actually pays the the exception that that you know to this rule that many firms that do what we do will tell you is when we're dealing with things like medical malpractice right when you say when you're alleging that a doctor made a mistake in these instances, and there's some other instances where you're saying a professional did something right. wrong, generally speaking, well, you can't you know, start a legal claim or you shouldn't unless you have another opinion from another professional that can say, yes, this person screwed up, they were negligence, and as a result, you can start a legal claim against them. But I'll tell you, again, in the vast majority of cases, when we're, dealing, when we're talking about long-term disability, when we're talking about car accidents, slip and falls, you're not paying a dime.
0: Got an email here. I'll throw this one towards you, James. Again, it's help at the insurance lawyer dot Lauren writes in, says uh, a good friend of mine was at his boss's Christmas party and there was a lot of alcohol and drinking there. There was an indoor pool and there was some rough play and my friend got injured pretty badly when she was pushed into the pool. She hit her head on the side of the pool and it was rushed to hospital. She's still there. And the doctors are saying that she suffered a serious head injury. Is her boss responsible for, you know, this happened in his house, his pool? It sounds like it. Um, most likely, he will be or she will be. But
2: before I can really uh, give a a full answer, I would need to know a little bit more information. Right. So, some of the things that we would want to find out is um, whether um, the alcohol that was uh, being served at this party was provided by the employer, um, whether or not there was a Qualified bartender who uh, understands the what's called the smart, smart serve, serve protocol yeah. um, exactly, and that's really just something uh, that bartenders use in order to make sure that people aren't over consuming, um, and so that would be a way that you know perhaps the employer might be able to avoid getting pegged with liability. Um, also, you know, there's a pool involved here, so I'd like to know what the safety was surrounding the pool. Um, Were there proper protections in place? Was there a lifeguard on duty? Things like that. Um, If the employer is supplying the alcohol, there's no bartender, no lifeguard. uh, I'd say there's almost certainly going to be at least some liability against the employer. Now, um, your friend might also be on the hook as well, too. It depends on how they acted and uh, what they did and how much they consumed and, you know, how they were behaving. But You know, even if your
1: friend is partially responsible, the employer may well be, too. You know, the last point is really important to understand. You know, there have been cases out there, uh, many cases, in fact, uh, where an individual suffered, you know, very significant injuries, uh, catastrophic, perhaps, you know, and the case is from a value standpoint worth, you know, millions and millions of dollars because of the the, the injuries uh, that were caused to the individual. And you know, then we look at liability, i.e., who's at fault. And perhaps the person who was injured was partially at fault. Maybe it's a fifty-fifty sure. split. Maybe it's an eighty-twenty split against the individual uh, who was injured. In other words, let's say a person is—it's uh, hard to play chicken with a train to get hit by the train, and the train—you got at it fault. exactly. Like, <laughs> but 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 if it's not a hundred percent, even right. even in a case where you know, I'm just going to do quick math for you. You know, a case that's worth a million dollars. Uh, and, and you know the liability split is fifty-fifty. The injured person, even though he's uh, uh, deemed to be fifty percent at fault, mm-hmm. still gets five hundred thousand right. dollars. Right. So you know, if, if you're in a situation where you or someone you know has been injured, uh, you know, like that, specifically when you're dealing with serious injuries but you think that there may be at fault, there may still be some uh, don't assume. Uh, liability. Don't assume mm-hmm. that there is no claim for compensation.
2: Now, John, you mentioned something uh, just a moment ago <clears throat> about trains. As it turns out, I had a case about six, seven years ago, um, quite a tragic case. It involved a young girl, I think she was um, probably seven or eight at the time, that uh, went out and got hit by a train. And you know, she was partially at fault for it. Um, even though she was very young, she was Um, you know, in an area where she shouldn't have been and she, you know, hadn't looked. She's a very young girl, so obviously, you know, it's hard to peg all the liability on her. But from the train's perspective, you know, they're going to argue that they did everything that they could. Now, in that particular case, they hadn't. There was an issue about the way um, there was another train passing. It doesn't really much matter. In any case, we were able to peg some liability on the train um, and they wound up having to pay. It was a significant claim and there was a Mm -hmm. huge reduction But But they still paid a fair amount.
0: Yeah. We'll take a, a short break. Into more of your emails, uh, James, you'll pick it up after a break. one 990 9646 is the number. Help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you're ever wondering what your uh, pain and suffering component of your case should be, might still be a significant number, injurycalculator.ca. It's a quick little metric. Go through that. And at the bottom, if you so choose, there is a contact button. You can contact Savannah or James or a member of the team. If not, you'll walk away. It's absolutely anonymous. So have a look at that as well, injurycalculator.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show on the way. Global News Radio, six forty Toronto, 1-888-990-9646. The number it is help at the lawyer.ca. I'm going to throw this one towards uh, towards you, James. A lengthy email from Samuel. So uh, so hang in there. It says my wife was in a major car crash and suffered a traumatic brain injury. She's thirty six. And the doctor said that some of her issues are likely going to stay with her long term, uh, like lack of focus concentration migraines etc et etc she 's not the person i 've known for the past twenty years. We have a lawyer and we 're supposed to go to a mediation in three months, but she hasn't seen any experts like you guys talk about on the show she 's only seen her own doctors and the insurance company's doctors. Our lawyer said that her case will settle. From 100000 to 200000 but I don't understand how that can be. Uh, she can't work and was earning $65,000 in her job because of the accident. Uh, what do you think?
2: There is a lot to unpack there. Big time. Uh, so I want to spend a little bit of time on this. Sam Samuel, thank you for uh, writing in. I'm sorry to hear about your wife. That's obviously very difficult for both of you to deal with. Now, the thing that we're dealing with here is a traumatic brain injury, and those lie on a continuum. It's not a binary thing that you either have or you don't. Right um the severity can be mild it can be moderate it can be severe and where you lie on that continuum is going to determine how long the symptoms last for and how severe the symptoms are and that's really going to be the critical issue in this case that's going to determine how long your wife suffers for and how long she's not able to work or if she's ever able to work okay. at all yeah. and those are huge variables um and so you know knowing what you know how severe the <clears throat> the brain injury is is going to be a huge factor in determining the value of the case, but based on what you've told me just in your email, it sounds like it's a fairly severe brain injury. Now, I can assume for the moment that your your wife is being treated by, by very good doctors. I'll, I'll assume that that's the case, and maybe they've provided very supportive opinions, but here's the thing. Even the best doctors in the world aren't necessarily going to be good witnesses. In fact, they may not even be helpful witnesses at trial. if They don't know how to be a good witness at trial, they're likely not going to help you very much. What we do, we have a roster of expert witnesses that, that we've cultivated for over 10 years. These are not just great doctors, these are doctors with extensive experience testifying as witnesses in legal cases. And that's really, really important because if they're not able to express their medical opinions, then they're not gonna be of much value. And so, you know, the lawyer that you have right now is relying on your own doctors. That's a really dangerous game just in terms of building the evidence. But the way I really want to look at this, now, going back to when I used to do defense work, if I'm at a mediation, and particularly where it's a mediation where there's an issue with so much variability, such as how long, um, you know, a brain injury is going to last for, and the other side shows up and doesn't have an expert opinion, that says a lot to me that says to me that the other side is not taking this case seriously or can't take it seriously. There are a lot of firms out there that just can't afford to get the medical legal opinions that they need and so don't send their clients for the reports that they need. Whatever the reason is, it sends a message. It says that they're not ready and they probably won't be. Mm -hmm. And that has a huge impact on how they're going to assess what they're willing to pay. Because if they think that the other side is not going to go to trial when push comes to shove, if they're not being reasonable, and they're not going to pay what they should they're going to lowball you because they know that you're not going to force them to pay what they're supposed to pay and that is huge that means that whatever the very whatever the range of uh damages that you might get you're never going to get more than the lowest end of that range if your lawyer wow. isn't willing to pay some money to get a to get a qualified expert with experience to provide an opinion and the other side knows it the other side knows it now Looking at um, your case, um, you mentioned uh, just before, John, the injury calculator. So from what we know here, um, Samuel's wife is 36 years old. I'm going to assume that the accident was two years ago, give or take. She's suffering from what I would would call is probably a severe brain injury. She hasn't returned to work. She's had a personality change. If you plug those variables into the injury calculator, what you come up with is a range between 125,000 and 312,000. Even if you assume that Samuel's wife is on the low end of this range, that doesn't factor in anything for her loss of income, which is, it's already two years. And even if she's getting the full income replacement benefits, she's still getting at least $20,000, $25,000 per year for the last two years right? and another um, $45,000 for every year into the future that she's not going to be able to work. And it doesn't sound like she's returning to work anytime soon. So when her lawyer says she's only going to get between $100,000 and $200,000, even in the worst case scenario, that sounds incredibly low to me. Obviously, I would need to take a look at the file to provide a full assessment, but I would be very careful about that. That does not sound like
0: it's a fair settlement. It it doesn't even sound like the lawyer's done enough homework yet to make that assumption. No, and it doesn't sound like he's willing to either.
1: Uh, You know what, John? If, If I was on the receiving end, if I was a defense lawyer on this, And I'm seeing, as James said, that there is a claim that's going to mediation of this magnitude within three months without any reports from the other side. I'm just going to give you an analogy here. It's like going to war against tanks, and you're not even holding a knife to the battle. I mean, this lawyer is doing this lady a great disservice. Just do the math. She's 36 years old. She was earning $65,000 a year. Let's assume she would have retired at age 65. Okay, the analysis is not as simplistic as that, but just do that math. 29 years, if she can't go back to work, to any type of job because of this injury, times 65, again, there's different ways of calculating that. This is a seven-figure case. I'm not talking about who's at fault for the accident. We don't know that. Assuming she's not at fault, seven-figure case, and this lawyer is telling her that they can expect one to $200,000. That is insane absolutely insane. So you have to be extremely careful when you are dealing with severe injuries that you have a lawyer or a law firm that fully appreciates the significance of the injuries, the impact on the family, and how to deal with the insurance company. Because I'll tell you this, the insurance company, their lawyers, and I'm sure there is a very senior defense lawyer here, they will be sizing up that lawyer very quickly. And they'll give their insurance company an assessment that probably says, as opposed to paying one, two, three, four, five million dollars, we may be able to get out of this by paying a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. You do not want to be. Uh, the client that ends up going to mediation with that kind of a lawyer, I can imagine
0: this. I mean, this insurance company gets wind of what this lawyer is assuming. They're they're like, oh, get that three months happening now. Let's go, let's okay. rock. Absolutely, and you know
2: they may even pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And you know the lawyer for um, this gentleman's wife Yay. may may think it's a huge win. Meanwhile, you know the defense right. knows that they've just saved you know seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars or more.
1: It's crazy. Incidentally, John, since a few years ago when we started the show we've had a few instances i've had instances where i've talked to people after they've settled but because they've listened to the show they've called me they've given me uh you know the scenarios what happened to them and how much the case settled for and i had to break the bad news to them but they, c- they couldn't do anything yep. they've settled the case yeah. you do not want to be one of these people you don't want to be in a situation where you know if in, in st- instead of of you know getting the full value of your case which could be hundreds of thousands of dollars you're taking a fraction of that only to learn down the road that you know, you basically left a lot of money on the table, and you know who who took that money? The insurance company. They kept it, not you, not your family. 1-888-990-9646
0: is the number. Help the insurance lawyer dot ca. More of your emails. Lots more questions coming up. It's the insurance and injury law show. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. 1-888-990-9646, The number anytime. Keep it with you. Email help. At the insurancelawyer.ca, we mentioned it in the last segment to some uh, to some extent. The uh, injury calculator find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. Injurycalculator.ca. So, uh, Savannah or James, when a person is cut off or denied long term disability, and you get involved, uh, do you try to persuade the
1: adjuster to reverse a decision, or you just start a legal claim outright? Okay, so so first of all, it depends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it depends on whether or not the person has been cut off yet or have been told that they will be cut off. Okay, there is there's a difference. And the reason I'm saying there's a difference is because in some instances... You know, if the person has been cut off, no, I don't try. I don't try to reason with the adjuster. I'm not interested in speaking with the adjuster. Oftentimes, these adjusters, you can't persuade them. They made a decision. Right. You know, it, it's something they've done. They're not going to alter uh, their assessment. So we start a legal claim. We take it out of their hands. It goes to another adjuster's hand, a defense lawyer who's going to look at it with a fresh pair of eyes, and then we negotiate a resolution. But what do you do in a situation? That many people face where they are told that they will be cut off LTD within a few weeks or within a few months or perhaps the following year. In those instances, in some situations, I get involved right there and then and I review all the medical documents that support my clients or this individual's disability, who's not my client yet, uh, and then I offer to communicate on that person's behalf with the adjuster. And what I do is, I'll get this individual to sign an authorization, allowing me to communicate with the adjuster, mm. and I will then email the adjuster directly, along with the supporting medical documentation, explaining why I think that the anticipated cutoff date is, is wrong, mm-hmm. the person should not be cut off, and giving them really a binary choice. Either you agree that you will not cut the person off, or if you do, we're gonna start a legal claim against the insurance company, immediately after. And so I'm putting pressure on the adjuster. And, you know, in some instances, that's helped. In some cases, uh, the insurance company actually backed off and ended up, uh, you know, uh, uh, capitulating, and the person was not cut off. But in some instances, they did cut off the individual, but we had set up the situation such that we were able to start a legal claim immediately when that happened. Now, in other instances when I think there is no point, after reviewing some communications between the adjuster and the disabled individual, I think the adjuster is just too thick, I can't get through to them, there's no point. What I would do is I would start a legal claim right there and then. So let's say, John, you're on disability, you're told that in three months you're gonna get cut off, I'm reviewing the correspondence, I think that the adjuster you're dealing with, the insurance company is being completely unreasonable, I don't think I can change their mind, I'm gonna start a claim now while your payments are continuing because i think that there is a possibility that i can arrive at a resolution with the insurance company either before you're going to get cut off or shortly after why am i doing that because i want to make sure that there is no gap a gap that often happens when somebody gets cut off and until resolution you you need to have money coming in how are you going to pay the mortgage you know the expenses household expenses I'm very cognizant of that and by the way that's something that I hear a lot of people complaining about when they call me when they have other lawyers representing them you know that the lawyers not responding to them that nothing's happening with my case you know for a few months for a year for two years meanwhile the person's suffering they don't have any money coming in. Some people are filing for bankruptcy. Some people have to sell their house. Brutal. There's no reason for that. The lawyer should be on the claim ASAP. There's no reason to delay these claims. That's why we emphasize that the firm moving these cases forward almost at lightning speed. Uh, and, and you know if you don't do that, if you're going to go to a lawyer or a law firm that doesn't understand or appreciate how urgent the situation is to you, then that's going to be on you when a year later you call us and you say, well, nothing's happened with my case and I have to sell my house. Don't make that mistake. Just give us a call or email us. Let's have a chat. We'll help you right there and then and give you your legal options. One triple eight
0: nine nine zero ninety six forty six. help at the help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got Andrew here, writes in, says, I'm a unionized employee and my long-term disability just got denied. Do I need my union to fight a grievance or can you help me? I'm 37 and have a neurological <coughs> disorder.
2: It's a really good question, and it's one that we have to deal with all the time. So whenever we have someone come to us with a disability issue and they're in a union, the first thing that we need to do is take a look at the collective bargaining agreement. Mm -hmm. And that's really just a contract between the union and the employer. And that will define the vast majority of the issues in the relationship. Almost always, the collective bargaining agreement will at least mention long-term disability. Okay. But what we really need to look at is how it mentions it, what it says. And so some some collective bargaining agreements will be very explicit. They'll say that if you have a dispute arising out of long-term disability, you have to grieve it, and then you have to go through your union. Some of them will say that you're entitled to use a lawyer. Then that's really easy. But a lot of them are silent as to what you're supposed to do. So in those cases, I have to take a look at the agreement and give an opinion. And I'm not going to get into the legal issues that would lead me to one conclusion versus another, but if it isn't really clear in the in the collective bargaining agreement itself, we have to take a look at it, but it's a pretty quick process, and I can give you an opinion pretty quickly as to whether you can proceed with us or whether you need to go through your union.
1: The one thing to keep in mind in these cases is that oftentimes... Yeah, individuals who, uh, who are part of a union who have this LTD issue, they go to their union and, you know, the union has lawyers, but those lawyers are not equipped uh, to do these kinds of LTD claims. And so, you know, if you have a lawyer, a union lawyer, Proceeding with an LTD claim, I mean, you know, that's like having an you know uh, ear, nose, and throat specialist uh, operating on you, you know, on on your stomach or something. something In other words, you have somebody who is not trained and doesn't understand the area necessarily advocating for you. And you know, there are a lot of landmines in there, so you have to make sure that even if you are unionized and you're facing an LTD issue, you give us a call. So at the very least, we can figure out what your options are and tell you what those options are. If at that point you want to go and approach the union lawyer, you can, but again remember, they their job is to deal with the labor issues surrounding your employment uh and the issues that arise with your employer. They are not generally uh LTD lawyers as as far as I've seen. And and I I have seen cases by the way that we've taken over from union lawyers before where we have to fix a lot of things uh in 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 the case and Again, some things you can fix and some things you can't. So you want to make sure you do this right from the beginning.
0: One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. help at the lawyer. Save other questions when the show is done, mydisabilityquestions.com. Chances are your question has been answered thoroughly. If not, you can leave it there and Savannah will get back to it uh, very I mean really, really quickly. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. It's the insurance and injury law show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. MyDisabilityQuestions.com dot com as well. That's another resource. And if you haven't checked it out yet, InjuryCalculator.ca. dot ca. Find what the pain and suffering component of a claim uh, should be. a, a comment, uh, James, about what we were talking about before the break, right? Yeah. So it's so, the union stuff, right?
2: Exactly. So Savan so was talking about uh, how union lawyers often aren't equipped to deal with disability claims, and that certainly has been my experience as well. Uh, one particular client that we've talked about Julie Austin so she had a disability claim she has a disability claim and she tried to go through her union and what they found was that there was surveillance on her and they advised her oh well this surveillance is going to kill your claim there's nothing that you can do with this too bad I got the file and I took a look at it and frankly I've talked about this in more detail before and you know I won't go into that much detail now but when I looked at the surveillance not only did it not hurt her It really supported everything that she had been saying. It really entrenched her case, made it stronger. I don't know how anyone could have viewed that and come to the opinion that that precludes her from advancing a claim, quite the opposite. And that really is just a reflection that if you're not dealing with disability work on a day to day basis, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get scared by things that you shouldn't be scared about. You hear the word surveillance. And maybe you say, oh, wow, they've got surveillance. What am I going to do? Well, you have to actually take a look at it and understand what the impact of it is. And if you don't deal with it on a day-to-day basis, you're not going to understand that.
0: You know, it's interesting that uh, in this case, when it comes to lawyers and disability and unions, you should always call you guys, unlike the employment side of your firm where it's cut and dry. If you're with a union, you can't seek an employment lawyer. This is so important to at least make that phone call, right?
1: Yeah, this is very important. You yeah. have an LTD case, a denial. Uh, you know, something's happening that doesn't make sense. You're being sent, uh, you know, to, to see the defense doctors for the right. insurance company, and and you know, just things don't make sense to you. Even before you're denied a claim, you have questions. Post them on mydisabilityquestions.com. You'll get free answers, or give us a call, or email us. Whether you're unionized or not, we'll be right. able to give you advice about your L T D claim. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety-six
0: forty six. Email comes from uh, Jennifer says my husband was denied long term disability last month. He's fifty one and had a severe heart attack last August. He has a very physical job and used to work 60 to 80-hour weeks. His family doctor and cardiologist both say that he can't go to work, but the insurer wrote in their uh, denial letter that he hasn't provided sufficient documentation to prove that he is disabled. How can that be? How do we fight it?
1: Well, first of all, you've done the, the right thing by, by contacting us. Uh, and Jennifer, I can tell you that the first thing that I want to see, other than the denial letter, are the records, sorry, the reports, that the family doctor and, and your husband's cardiologist Uh, prepared for the insurance company, you know, it does happen sometimes that the insurance company uh, looks at whatever records you send them, and perhaps the reports don't comment on the functional impairment of the individual. In other words, it may outline that your husband had a heart attack, but it doesn't necessarily speak to whether or not he can work, Mm -hmm. right? And so, Oftentimes what we do is we make sure that we fix the errors in communication between the insurance company and the doctors or the insurance company and the individual who is disabled. So oftentimes it's just a matter of a miscommunication. More often than not, however, it's not about that. It's about the insurance company simply ignoring what is front and center, what is in their face, uh, a legitimate case, hoping that people like Jennifer and her husband are going to give up and what they do in those denial letters, the last paragraph generally says, you can appeal this decision. And we've talked about appeals endlessly. So it's very, very important to understand that when you know that you or someone you love or a friend, a colleague, is disabled from working, and that person has the backing of a doctor, doctors, therapists, whoever, and the insurance company chooses to reject those reports, that you call us immediately. You email us immediately. You don't try to persuade the adjuster uh, that you are right and they are wrong. That's not gonna help. You don't appeal the decision. You don't cry about it. You don't get depressed about it. You give us a call. You let us deal with the insurance company directly. And that's the mistake most people make, John. They don't do that. They think they can take on the insurance company. They can persuade them, convince them. It's only gonna cause you more frustration and it's going to probably uh, do a, I mean, you're playing into, into the insurance company's sure. hands, right? So don't do that. Give us a call. Email us. Let us have a look. Let us advise you of your options. We're not going to force you to sign anything or do anything you don't want to do. But we are going to give you your legal options so that you'll be armed with the information you need to figure out what the best option is to proceed. And
0: once you guys are involved, the phone calls to the house stop. Absolutely. Which is nice, right? We are the
1: ones dealing with the adjuster. You're not going to get any calls, emails, or letters from the insurance company. They have to go through us. So, in a way, we are acting as a barrier there, right? You can focus on getting better so Jennifer, her husband, can actually try and recuperate and eventually go back to work, which effectively is what the insurance company wants, anyways. Mm -hmm. Except that by doing what they're doing, they're causing him and her more stress. So, yes, once we get on the case, we are the ones dealing directly with the insurance company. You don't deal with them. You don't communicate with them. We are the ones that stand stand between you and them and we push back. 1-888-990-9646 is
0: the number. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We're going to try to get to another email here in the last few minutes of the show. Coming up, mydisabilityquestions.com. If you want to put your question there online anonymously, you can do that. Or injurycalculator.ca. Find out the pain and suffering component of your claim. Really easy to you. It takes about thirty seconds. Lots more, or at least a little bit more. The insurance and injury law show coming up after a short break. This is Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number help at the dot ca is the email address. Barb says uh, my son has been depressed for a long time, but recently it's gotten a lot worse because of various personal reasons. He uh, he hardly eats, sleeps, and can't work. He has an IT manager, Uh, he was an IT manager, making over 100K a year. He got short-term disability and then applied for long-term with a different insurer and was denied because they say he hasn't uh, hasn't been following treatments, but that's not true. What can you do to help? It's gotten so bad that he lives with me now because he can hardly function on his own.
2: This is a really interesting case. It's something that we deal with quite a bit. Um, We're talking here about mental health claims. So Barb's son is dealing with depression um which is a, obviously a mental health issue and it's something that a lot of people have to deal with and as you know as a society we're coming to understand what that really means the stigma that used to be attached to mental health issues is you know year by year decreasing it's not gone but people are starting to be more aware they're they're educated it's it's something that people are just more aware of now um unfortunately that doesn't always hold true when you enter the legal process And that's particularly so when you're talking about disability insurers. Disability insurers have been incredibly slow to recognize mental health claims, even though the courts, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada, no less, has quite recently made it very clear that insurance companies have to take these claims seriously. They can't treat them differently than physical claims. They have to, uh, you know, treat them on the same level. They can't demand. Uh, greater evidence um, than they do for physical claims for mental health claims. So it's something that is difficult to deal with and gets denied more often than it should. And the other component to it is when you're dealing with a mental health claim, uh, it it means that trying to deal with your insurance company is just compounding the issues you're already dealing with. You have depression and anxiety and you have to deal with an insurance company that's cutting you off when you know that you're suffering. That's making things worse. So what can you do? Barb, have your son contact us or you can contact us. We start a legal claim and we take this off of your plate or his plate so that we're dealing with the insurance company. And as soon as that happens, he can start focusing entirely on his own mental health, on recovering. We can focus on the legal aspect. And as we've talked about many times, as soon as we get involved, it changes everything from the insurer's perspective. They are no longer able to make the decision without any consequences. Now it gets moved to their legal department. The you know the decision is out of their hands. It's something that they have to deal with reasonably from that point
1: forward.
0: Savannah, final uh, couple minutes here. What do you think? Final thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, I think James is completely right. And I you know I, I think in many instances when you're dealing with psychological uh, issues, uh, mental health, James is right. There is a big stigma still with insurance companies, and you know partly because they feel like those individuals. And, and I think this is these are my words. Okay, I think that they think that it's easier to get them off their plate. Meaning, it's easier to deter someone who is depressed from pursuing a claim than someone who suffered an injury, a physical injury, and you know his leg or her spine hurts. And I think this is where you know we really have to get the word out to families and to friends who know uh, people who are in trouble, who are suffering from these debilitating psychological conditions to contact us the way that Barb has just done for her son because we can then provide the advice that they need. You know, if you have someone who is uh, uh, suicidal or someone who has PTSD and that person is just uh, getting worse and worse and worse, as a family member, as a friend, you're going to try and get them the best medical help. Well, how is that any difference uh, uh, different uh, with, with, with the legal issues that they're dealing with? You need to get them help. And, and the help that we're talking about is legal help. Allowing us to step in, to take the pressure off, to apply pressure on the insurance company and let the individual actually try and get better, let the doctors do their work and let us make sure that the insurance company pays the, the disability or the compensation, whatever it is that the individual is owed. That's our job and it is incumbent on families to make sure that they do that for
0: their loved ones. Simple. Phone call, one 990 9646 Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And have a look at it when you got some time. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. It's just the pain and suffering component. It could be a lot more, but it's a good baseline. Injurycalculator.ca. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.